It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, a text has come in about the ashes, the holy ashes for Ash at Wednesday, because we had some calls on Friday in particular. There was a lady contacted us on behalf of her grandfather and she's in a social bubble with her grandfather and her grandfather was saying, would he be able to get the ashes for Ash Wednesday, which of course we pancake Tuesday tomorrow and we've Ash Wednesday on Wednesday, the traditional start of Lent. I'm wondering, uh, would she be able to get where could she get ashes for her grandfather he's cocooning uh, shielding at home we're not using the word cocooning anymore he's shielding at home and she was just wondering will any local churches uh, now the only thing is when she sent us in it was a whatsapp she didn't say where what part of the city or county she was texting us from but already somebody has been on to say St Patrick's Church in Bandon will be giving out ashes at 10am tomorrow on, on Wednesday morning uh, it was announced at Mass Online uh, yesterday. So anybody in the Bandon area looking for ashes on Wednesday, St. Patrick's Church at 10am and just down the road from Bandon in Clonakilty and Aileen Quindon is writing about this in the Examiner uh, today to say that the Church of the Immaculate Conception in Clonakilty are kind of going a little bit American style. They're going to do a drive through to allow the congregation to to collect the blessed ashes on Wednesday and it'll obviously all be done in compliance with level 5 restrictions people will be able to either drive through do a drive through to the Church of the Immaculate Conception in Clown or I imagine you can call in in person as well and they will have the ashes in little individual envelopes so you'll collect them yourself and you can also get a leaflet with the envelopes on details on how to hold the ritual for giving out the ashes at home if people uh, want to find out what they should and shouldn't be doing once they get the ashes. So they're the, there's Bandon and Clannacilty organising people if they want to go along and collect uh, their ashes. And I know I saw over the weekend there was a Donegal priest came out as well. He, he got little containers from his local convenience store and they were doing, not quite click and collect, but they were, they were giving out ashes as well. But it was going to be on a first come, first serve basis because they only got so many of the little containers and when the containers are gone, they're gone. So they were going to, they were doing first come, uh, first serve. So if anybody else knows of any other local uh, churches, that's in West Cork, as I say, we've got Bandon and Clan. If there's any other churches 
in North East Cork or in the city that's doing a collection of ashes because we know a number of the churches are open for private prayer. They're not open. You can't go in and attend Mass but they are open for private prayer. So I imagine any of the churches that are open they'll have a little table down the back or something where people can initially pick up the little envelopes because obviously everything has to be done now in accordance with level five and in accordance with social distancing. So it can't even be a case that you could have a priest standing at the door giving the ashes out to people because you couldn't have him putting his finger into the ashes and then onto somebody's forehead and then go to the next person. That would be uh, definitely not abiding by all of the rules of social distancing. So I'm assuming that most churches will operate some kind of a system whereby you'll go and you'll pick up your little little small little envelopes small little container maybe little plastic bags with the ashes uh, in it and distribute them that way Uh, so I would say to people maybe check in maybe see if there's a notice gone up at the back of the church or on the door of the church to let people know because I take it there'll be a time in which the ashes will be available for people on uh, Wednesday morning but Wednesday is the official start of Lent for 2021 and many will say sure what we're going through at the moment feels like uh, Lent but there'll still be people who'll decide to to do something for Lent, the old traditional giving up of the sweets or taking up exercise or giving up smoking. Do people still give up smoking for Lent? It's always a, a good opportunity to kick a bad habit as well. Uh, 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your uh, calls. Now today, and I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of people excited about today, particularly those over the age of 85 who've been lucky enough, because it is like a little bit of a lottery at this stage, to be heading to their GPs today to be the first of the over 85s to get the, uh, the this is the first of the over 85s in the community to get their COVID-19 uh, vaccination and this is the next phase of the vaccination uh, rollout. There are more than 72,000 people aged over the age of 85 because somebody was asking that last week, do we know? And of course we have very detailed census in this country so you know it is fairly easy to get a pretty accurate figure of how many people over the age of 85 there are living out in the community. community so they reckon about 72,000 and they will receive their first jab over the next three weeks. Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, said about 20,000 vaccines will be distributed to GP practices uh, this week. Now, it depends where you're getting your news source from. Some of the newspapers are saying 84 GP practices have been selected to give the vaccine this week. But then I'm reading online, there's 40 GP practices have been selected. So I'm unsure of how many practices. And I don't even know how many practices we have here in Cork that will be administering the vaccine. But 20,000 vaccines will be distributed uh, this week. Then that gets ramped up next week. 384 practices so the majority of GP practices will be rolling out the vaccine next week and then the balance of the practices will be in the third week which will be in the first week in March and I mentioned this earlier when I was speaking with with Kem to anybody over the age of 85 if you haven't heard from your GP yet don't panic it could mean that your GP practice is not getting the vaccines until the third week which means you're not going to receive your vaccine until the first week in uh, March Now, I know when we opened the phone lines on this last week, many, many GPs have started to already make contact with the people on the books just to either organise to give them a time to come in for the vaccine or to let them know 
you haven't been forgotten about it's going to be next week or it's going to be the week after so I think GP practices are really are really stepping up to the mark but they're good at this they do flu vaccines every year you know they know what they're doing they know their patients they'll know the nervous ones they'll know the ones for example that are housebound that may have difficulty getting to the surgery so they're going to be organising to get out uh, to see them so they you know the GP the GPs really are really good at this and this is when they will really start to uh, shine but this week does mark it's an important week in the nation's fight back against uh, the virus with the first rollout now in the community and this is the next phase because obviously the first phase was very much the focus was on long term residential care and was on our frontline health workers and it was terrific at the weekend to see all of the GPs and all of the practice nurses and the admin staff and GPs it was great to see all of them getting their jabs at the weekend so then we're moving on now to this the next phase which is rolling it out in the community which obviously therefore also means for everybody else it does get everybody a step closer to receiving the uh, vaccine but just on the GPs family doctors who have now been banned from using church halls or a local hotel or a local community centre which is what a lot of GPs were hoping to do. They were hoping to set up their own kind of little mini vaccination centre and they're saying now because they're not allowed to do it it's actually going to slow down the rollout of the vaccines as we start rolling it out to the over 70s and a number of, there seem to be a number of Dublin doctors in particular are quoted in the papers uh, today. One doctor in uh, Tada said he had managed to secure the, the it's the St Martin de Poor's church which is the church right next to his practice in Tala and he'd got in contact with the local parish priest saying look when we're ready to roll out the vaccine would you give me the church would you mind me using the church priest was only too delighted because obviously it was his parishioners who were going to be vaccinated and the doctor went in and took a look at the church and says this is fantastic there is you know there's a room we can use to administer the vaccine and then what we can do is we can get all of the all of the people once they get their jabs to socially distance in the pews they can be socially distanced while they're waiting to get the vaccine and then they can be socially distanced while they need to be observed for the 15 minutes after the vaccine so this Dr Andrew Jordan was saying happy days this is going to work so well then of course we know the HSE came out last week and put a ban on the use of any of these locations and said that the vaccines for the over 70s must take place either in a GP surgery or in one of the HSE's designated surgery like in Dublin it's the Helix Centre here in Cork City it's the City Hall we know in the county it's going to be the Ahamilla the GAA in Clam it's going to be the Carragoon the GA Centre in Mallow and Bantry I think is also on that list they're their designated centres but outside of that GPs have told no you must use your own GP uh, practice but the problem for some of the GPs is that they have a very small surgery. And there's another doctor, uh, quote, I think this was the guy I saw on the news, uh, Dr. Aidan uh, Hampstead. He's in our team. And he had actually got ahead because he thought he would be allowed to use his local community hall. So he went in, took a look at the community hall. Powers the B who run the community hall said, would be happy to have you, uh, Dr. Aidan, come on in. So they'd even laid out the chairs, got it all ready, marked it all out. He'd taken out special insurance on it. Uh, and it's right, it's, it's, it's right next to the local church in our team. So this doctor was saying, this is fantastic because it'll have the space to socially distance uh, people. And he was making the point that they could have uh, 20 people could go into this 
space all have their vaccinations all then wait to be you know monitored the way they're meant to be uh, monitored and then he was told no you're the same as all the other doctors you need to have it in your surgery and he said it simply is going to completely slow down the way he can vaccinate his elderly patients because of the size of his practice and the fact that the person once they get the vaccine must remain on the premises and have to be socially distanced both before they get the vaccine and after the vaccine and also a lot of the doctors are making the point particularly the ones in very built up areas a lot of the surgeries they don't have like large car parking spaces whereas if you're looking at a church or you're looking at a community hall or a parish hall a lot of them, all of them, I would say, have a very large car park outside. So they're saying, look, the car park uh, could be used uh, as well. And this uh, Dr. Jordan, the, the guy in, in Dublin, in, the doctor in Tala, was saying he was, you know, using his own practice as an example. He said, I've got 180 patients over the age of 85. So he's one of the practices with a lot of people over the age of uh, 85. And uh, he, he says, I could vaccinate them much quicker and could get through them much quicker if they allowed me to use the local uh, church. And I thought he made a very good point at the weekend. He said they vaccinated GPs and the practice nurses in tents in Phoenix Park over the weekend. And yet he said they're telling us for the over 70s that we can't vaccinate them in a local church or in a local uh, parish centre. He's just saying it seems really, really unfair. And the HSE the reasons that they're giving again, and we did touch on this last uh, Friday. Firstly, they're saying indemnity. Well, I, t- I straight away answered that by saying one of the local doctors said they'd already taken out insurance. They got their insurance. They were getting going to, I assume, going to get their insurance transferred over to the local parish hall. But anyway, they say there's indemnity. They also say there's difficulty with transporting the vaccine, saying that once it's delivered, it cannot be moved to another location. As soon as I mentioned that last uh, weekend, one of my very intelligent listeners said, "Okay, if it can't be." if it can't be moved, it has to be delivered and it can't be moved again, then deliver it to the community hall, the parish hall or to the church. Deliver it so then you don't move it and you administer it there where it's been delivered to. Now seemingly the HSC say, look, also issues around security once the delivery has been made. But a number of the doctors are pointing out that the churches and the centres are already well secured and they're probably as secured as a GP practice uh, could be. And anyway, listening to any of the GPs, I imagine if those vaccines arrived this morning the files the vials were opened up if they had to be reconstituted and mixed up again they were done and they were put straight into the arms I don't think many of them are going to be left overnight and you know this, whatever security you would need to put in place at a surgery I think could also be put in place at wherever the parish centre where, or wherever it is. Anyway, that's uh, that's the way it is. And I know another uh, doctor in Cabinteely in Dublin was saying he had also been offered the local church free of charge. And he says he could have vaccinated 140 people over the age of 70 an hour with all of the social distancing observed and now because the HSE has said no you can't use your local church he now says in the surgery he'll have to curtail all of the other activities that he normally would do and he'll only get to vaccinate 20 patients per hour where he could be doing 140 it just seems crazy but the HSE are absolutely sticking to their guns on it and saying no but look 
that's just one one of I have to say the downsides to the rollout of the vaccine but listen let's look at the positives let's look at the happy days and if you are one of the ones heading along to get your vaccination uh, today it is the first step towards getting your life back to some kind of normality and I know before anybody says that the vaccine isn't the be all and end all of course it's not until until everyone is vaccinated and we get some kind of herd immunity in this country life will never return to the type of normality we had before the the, before the the pandemic and I know even once you're vaccinated people still have to be very careful particularly between the first vaccine and the second vaccine and then waiting the seven days after the second vaccine to make sure that you're absolutely covered and even then people will be still required to socially distance and uh, wear masks but at least you know when you get the vaccine into you you are protecting uh, yourself and if God forbid you were you were to pick it up um, you're not going to be uh, you're not going to become uh, become sick and certainly great news coming out of Israel I was reading it reading at the weekend because Israel are the country of course so far advanced when it comes to vaccinating their uh, population and they are already I mean the vaccines are really proving uh, that they do exactly what they say on the tin and they're showing uh, with all of the people that has been vaccinated nobody has died from COVID-19 on all of the people that have been vaccinated uh, in Israel and even those that were vaccinated a very small proportion did pick up COVID-19 but none of them were sick and none of them needed to go to hospital so certainly vaccines are the way out of this pandemic. A couple of people have been on about ashes. Where are we going here with um, ashes? Uh, morning, um, Patricia. I want to say a prayer in my local church in Timaleague and the envelopes were available for the ashes. I thought it was a great idea. So they're already handing out the ashes then. Is it in, in uh, Timaleague? I take from that. And John Paul has had a number of calls in, including uh, somebody says, Margaret in Donnerwell says, ashes will be blessed in Shambhalimore and will be available at the back of the church in Donnerwell from 12.30. And I'm assuming that's on Ash Wednesday. They'll be in little pouches so that people can take the ashes home with them. And Mary contacted us from Maham to say, Holy Cross Church in in Mahan ashes will be available at 10.30 on Wednesday morning following the 10am mass and again they will be in individual envelopes for people to take home and then Mary in Mallow got a great giggle out of people contacting us to say where will the ashes and will the ashes be available for Ash Wednesday because she says Every Ash Wednesday she goes to Mass and she said if there's 10 people inside in the church queuing up to get their ashes you'd be doing well. And she said now we've got people roaring and running around trying to get their ashes. She's wondering has suddenly everyone become a Holy Joe now uh, because of the pandemic. And only time will tell Mary on that one. Have people returned to religion or not? And I know that a number of listeners to this programme, a number of people have contacted us, particularly since you know with the Mass is going online, the number of people who say, God, I, you know, I never used to go to Mass and suddenly now I find myself maybe day during the week or maybe every Sunday and I'm watching Mass on, online. So it is very possible that there is a, ter- a return to religion, but only time will tell on that. But it does look like a lot of the churches are going to facilitate the ashes for Ash Wednesday. And Mary in North Cork, when I was talking about the vaccines, Mary is a home help 
has still not received her vaccines, her vaccine yet. And yet she said they're calling in to people who are well over the age of 70, many of them over the age of 85. She is uh, ridiculous. She she said it is ridiculous uh, because of the vulnerable nature of the people that they're calling in to see. She said surely home helps should be vaccinated. Now, I thought I'll get John Paul uh, to again email the HSC, but did that not come up last week that home helps were included when the frontline workers, they were all the ones in the hospital and when everybody in the nursing homes and the residential centres were done. I thought when the AstraZeneca was then available because it wouldn't be available to the over 70s, I thought that home helps were included in the next round. I will get an email off to uh, the HSE just to confirm that for you, uh, Mary. And in the meantime, if there are any other home helps uh, listening, have you received your vaccine yet? Or more importantly, have you been contacted to say you are going to receive your vaccine? And just a couple of people to remember today. Bridget was on to say, and thank you, Bridget, for this, uh, because I wouldn't have realised this possibly until I went off air and saw something maybe this afternoon online about it. But Bridget says, can we, for the day that's in it, uh, remember the passing of Caroline Flack? Remember Caroline Flack, the TV presenter? It was uh, a year today, my goodness, a year today uh, um, since when she took her own life. And Bridget says, could we please, just in memory of Caroline Flack, be kind to each other. Remember following Caroline's death, there was a massive campaign on social media to, to be kind to, you know, you, the saying that I've often used, we can, you know, if you can choose to be anything in this world, then why not choose to, to be kind? And Bridget says, you know, this time there was, you know, a, a ripple effect and a real shock, particularly, I think, amongst the entertainment world on the passing of Caroline Flack and there was this there was the hashtag be kind that went on for many many weeks and Bridget said then it kind of all died away and people forgot about it so she just says you know for the day that's in it and in memory of Caroline Flack for people to be kind and if you are a a user of social media particularly Twitter which is something I use a lot but it can be a cesspit sometimes some of the comments uh, that go in and keyboard warriors and it's just it can be so vicious and uh, so nasty that there are times when I'm on Twitter, where I just switch it off and think, do I really need that kind of nastiness when I'm reading some of the comments that people put up? But anyway, and I sometimes question why I'm even on that particular social media. But but anyway, back to Bridget. Bridget's saying, if you're on social media, be kind. But even if you just meet people out and about on the, on the streets, just to be kind to people. Because, and, and I think in this, our third lockdown, tempers, I think, are getting frayed a little bit. I noticed when I was out on Saturday and I know the weather wasn't great at at the weekend and I just felt there seemed to be an edge about some people. You could see some people, you know, I saw somebody getting very ratty in a queue with somebody who was in front of them and there seemed to be people bipping the horns more in their car. And I know I was backing out of a car park space in a supermarket and it was quite, you know, when you're really wedged into a tight space and I'm doing my best not to scratch the car or scratch anybody else's car. So I was gingerly coming out and there was a man waiting in his car to get in he'd indicated that he wanted my parking space and I'd acknowledged him and I was edging out and it took me probably longer than normal and I could see this guy and the faces he was making and I'm sure under his breath he was saying 
women drivers and and you know and you know then when you know somebody's watching you and you're thinking oh god he's put me under even more pressure but look I said deep breathe just take your time because I didn't want as I said didn't want to scratch my car didn't want to more importantly didn't want to scratch anybody else's car so I did back out of the space eventually and then I sort of looked around looked I waved at him and smiled he didn't acknowledge me by the way but I knew he was raging now maybe he was under pressure maybe he was busy and time was against him and all of that but I just drove off but I just I did notice that that there just seems to be an edge about people at the moment so so thank you Bridget for reminding all of us to please just be a little bit kinder to everyone and when I mentioned Lent and if people are thinking of giving up something or taking up something maybe that's something we could all do in uh, for Lent and just continue it on even after Lent to just be kind to everyone and then Claire wants us to remember Princess the late Princess Diana and this is I, this is somebody I did think about yesterday and this is uh, because Harry and Meghan her much loved son Harry and his beautiful wife Meghan announced yesterday that they are due their second baby and it was coincidental because it was 37 years previously on the exact day it was Valentine's Day that she had announced and Buckingham Palace had announced that she was pregnant with Harry and here was Harry 37 years later announcing that he and his beautiful wife are pregnant with their second child and there's this gorgeous black and white photograph you may have seen it of Prince Harry and Meghan it really is gorgeous and actually I saw that it wasn't you know, it wasn't professionally taken it was a friend of theirs who took it and it was actually taken on an iPad <laughs> it's just an incredible incredible uh, photograph and just to announce to the world that they're having their but yeah and did he deliberately pick that day he probably did and he probably did it as a kind of a nod to his gorgeous mother who I'm sure and who I know whenever you hear him in, in, in interviews misses her every single day uh, since her passing and I think now that he's become a dad himself I think he's probably thinking about his mother all the more so yes Claire, I did see that photograph and it was lovely 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance can sail. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. We were talking earlier about how miserable it was uh, weather-wise over the weekend with a lot of rain. Then I started hearing reports uh, on Saturday of flooding, uh, particularly in the West Cork uh, area and to get a handle on what's been happening. I'm joined by a couple of councillors. Uh, firstly, Fianna Fáil, uh, Councillor Gillian Coughlin is in Bandon. Good morning to you, Gillian. Good morning, Patricia. Ah, I can't believe. Houses flooded again in Bandit? Yes, indeed. And with sewage. Um, of oh! All things, you know, it's, it's really reprehensible, Patricia. So, um, unfortunately, these, particularly these four householders on New Road um, awoke in the middle of the night and into the morning to find uh, raw sewage floating around their back gardens and coming up towards their back door. And um, I have been calling really for for this to be addressed um, in the plans for the abandoned sewage scheme which is underway at present. And how is the work? I mean, the, the work is, is going on, isn't it? Yes. So I suppose if we peel back a little bit, Patricia, the context is everything in this. If we think back to 2009 when I was in the town council and my colleagues and I called for a full uh, flood relief scheme and a sewage um, scheme. Yeah. Thankfully, both of those schemes, the flood relief scheme is complete, as we know, and the river is now safe. Um, and this sewage scheme is underway. When Irish Water was instituted, the sewage scheme was combined with the new water main system, which was very welcome. However, the sewage scheme is a combined scheme. Originally, we had called for a separate scheme whereby foul and storm water would be separate. Mm. However, uh, with the water mains being attached, that was the compromise. 
Now that sewer is being upgraded and we're very grateful. I mean, there is really good work having been done in Bandon at present and environmentally and for householders, there really will be a great benefit in the future. But we are in Bandon concerned that the work that is being done coming in from the new road, there is by all accounts a 600 millimetre pipe, a sewage pipe coming in the new road. And originally when the plans were laid, we were told that work would not take place, for example, on South Main Street and that the work, a lot of the sewage from South Main Street would be redirected onto Market Quay. Now, Market Quay, I believe, has a 225 millimetre sewage pipe and therefore uh, the 600 millimetre pipe will be flowing into a 225 millimetre pipe. Now, if we look at the work that is being done currently on New Road, there was a reduction of flow on the sewer to help to enable the works to take place. So I actually witnessed witnessed a bung being taken out of the manhole which was put in there to reduce the flow so that the works could take place further up the new road. That work actually represents what could happen later on if work is not upgrade if work is not done on market key. The flow will be too great coming in the new road and will begin to back up into houses. Now as I say, I believe that the issue on at the weekend was because of a, just a localised heavy rain yeah. and the reduction in flow, um, you know, as I say, with those works going on. But if that pipe is left in that manner with the stormwater overflow that they're proposing at, at um, St. Patrick's Quay, then I don't think that's adequate. I don't think it's adequate. I think they should either do works on Market Quay to upgrade that pipe or provide a pumping station back at Church Lane and pump the sewage up and down to Maxweeney Key. Okay, and how are that the house was did did was there, did it come into the houses? There was one home in which it came into the into the sort of garage at the or sort of a, a, a utility room at the back, and that lady was very distressed. And I suppose for those two residents in particular, they're long-standing residents of New Road. They've lived there a long, long time, 40, 50 years, and they're, they're, they're in advanced years themselves. And they were very distressed because this is not the first time. In fact, this is the second time in a fortnight, Patricia, wow. that this and has I happened. Just, the fact that it's sewage is just oh, oh, the, the thought of it. Of Stay there because I want to bring in uh, Councillor uh, Deirdre Kelly because she is highlighting what's been happening in Dunmanway. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning. Patricia. Again, similar to Gillian, it was the small all hours of uh, Saturday morning that uh, was it householders were awoken. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I suppose we were slightly um, luckier than Councillor Coxon's constituents in that I got a call just after 4am so I was able to um, uh, to, to call on Cork County Council um, but that was at 4am and at 10.30 they were still pumping water and the, the, the levels were dangerously high and I suppose to put it into context Patricia um, I'm not yet a year, it's not yet a year since I was co-opted onto Cork County Council and this is the third time that this has happened and look we know that reports need to be compiled um, but look with the ever-changing weather systems uh, we, ha- we're, we have to expect flash flooding and um, we need to have systems in place to prepare for it and as Councillor Coughlin um, uh, alluded to earlier the infrastructure is not available to deal with the current weather climates that we're experiencing and look I suppose uh, I, I put, put, um, 
I experienced over the weekend is the human element of this. You know, this is the third time, as I said, that this has happened to, to people in, in the Dunmanway area in the space of, of, of a year. And it's just not fair. And look, their insurance premiums will either increase dramatically or they won't be renewed at all. Mm-hmm. Um, their houses are significantly devalued. And look, it's having a toll on their mental health as well. Look, they, they go to bed um, whenever we're experiencing inclement weather conditions and they're not sure what they're going to wake up to, you know, and it's just simply not That's, fair. It's not good enough. And uh, Gillian was outlining what possibly is the solution for Bandon. What's the solution for Dunmanway? Well, look, much the same. There is, an, there is a, there's a report being compiled. We're, we've been advised that um, it is almost ready. But much the same, the, the, shore, the sewers and the shore, shores are not able to deal with the capacity of rain um, when there's, when there's uh, flash flooding. And, um, and look, I, I, we're waiting, as I said, on this report, but I would be calling on this to be expedited and get the work underway because, look, this, this has been happening, I've been advised, since 1959. Oh. And, um, look, the, peop- the local people... Um, um, know the geography and the history in their own areas and there needs to be more engagement with the locals in the area because we can report upon report but unless you engage with the people on the ground you know it's it's not going to be resolved. And how often do we hear that? Listen to the local people and the local knowledge, particularly the older people who've lived all their lives in an area and they'll be able to tell you exactly uh, exactly what the issue is. Okay and I know uh, I'm looking at the clock because I know you both have a council meeting at yes. 11 and Deirdre you're going to raise this issue at the council meeting this morning? Um, yes, I am. I'm going to um, request a suspension of standing orders um, in relation to this matter. Um, and uh, look, I'm hoping that we can we can um, get uh, get answers to it. OK. All right. Yeah. Listen, uh, we wish you both well. Thank, Thank you, you both for joining us on the programme this Thank morning. You very much. Uh, good, good morning to you. That is uh, Councillor Deirdre Kelly and Gillian Coughlin. And uh, my deepest, deepest commiserations to anyone who had flooding over the weekend. It really is shocking. But flooding is bad enough for, but for storage to back up and into somebody's houses. Oh, just dreadful. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now a 5 million euro IT fund is needed to provide laptops and tablets and other equipment to disadvantaged children while schools remain closed due to COVID restrictions. That's according to the Society of Vincent de Paul. And joining me from the Society of Vincent de Paul is Marcella Stakem. Good morning to you, Marcella. Good morning. Uh, You're welcome to the programme. Do you believe there is a major digital divide between the haves and the have-nots in this country? Yeah, I suppose that has come out strongly in the survey that we carried out earlier in in the month. So we carried out this survey as we know from speaking with members, they've been extremely busy with requests since March 2020. Um, for them, education and education equality at all levels is something very important for, for our membership. As they know, it is an extremely important tool in addressing and preventing poverty for low-income households. So this survey that we, we carried out, we surveyed over 200 conference conferences um, right around the country. And it found that half of the conferences surveyed have funded IT equipment for students during school closures. So the most common type of support provided was help with the cost of laptops and broadband costs. Um, since the beginning of this year alone, we've received over 300 requests for support with IT equipment from families. 
Perhaps maybe, maybe even more striking is the finding that 75% of those conferences surveyed have provided help with food, which has helped them to free up resources um, in the family income for online learning costs. God, that's incredible, isn't it? It so is. So people, really are, people are saving on the grocery shopping and the food shopping in order to pay for either the broadband or to buy a laptop for their, for their kids. Yes, that's, wow. that's what we're finding. Um, so we, we know from our members that there were children and young people that were already experiencing disadvantage um, before, before the pandemic begun. So not having the necessary tools now to learn will only amplify that disadvantage and that is something we're very worried about. It also means that there may be some that will fall further behind in their... Their, um, their education will exactly. suffer because... Of, and I'm assuming, Marcella, um, schools and teachers, would they be very aware of the problems and, and are they reaching out and trying to help particularly the most disadvantaged of children? Yes, yeah, so many of our conferences work very closely with schools, um, teachers and school principals. And we would have a very good working relationship with them because they know their students best and they know what um, the circumstances that the students are, are facing within within their families. Um, so, yes, we would have very good, you know, um, working relationships with them and they would have approached us as well, uh, not just families themselves, but, in, you know, in some circumstances, schools would approach us and say, we need help and we need support. Could you give, provide us some support with um, funding IT equipment? Yeah. Um, and, and you think of children who are in living in hotel rooms trying to do remote learning must be really, really difficult. Yeah, so they're experiencing disadvantage, I suppose, on a number of, lev- number of levels. Uh, so what we're seeing is many of those students that are living in hotel, um, you know, bedrooms in emergency accommodation or in direct provision or um, children or young people that are living really just in overcrowded, unsuitable conditions. Um, They are disadvantaged in one respect in that they don't have the necessary tools to learn. Mm. They are excluded from, I suppose, that school community that gave them support um, and kind of gave them that space to get away from the living circumstances for a while. But also then they don't have the the necessary space or the necessary tools to learn. And so we're really, you know, concerned about those students that their their learning loss will be significant. Do you believe have, once it's safe, schools need to reopen as quickly as possible, Marcella? Yeah, so what we're saying really is basically we're saying we cannot wait until this pandemic is over to start tackling the impact on children's education. We're saying that the Minister and the Department of Education must do that now. They must urgently ensure that every child has the equipment needed to learn from home and then set out how it intends to address the impact on children and young people in the long term. So we have proposed a number of recommendations to prevent further learning loss uh, and we've broken them into two teams. So, So now while schools are closed, and as you mentioned, the discretionary fund uh, would be really beneficial for for that to be implemented straight away. But we're also saying that there needs to be supports and resources put in when students return to school. And for for those students particularly that have experienced you know, significant learning loss, we're saying there needs to be one-to-one tuition support for those students 
who are, were unable to engage fully with the curriculum for a variety of reasons and not perhaps not just because they didn't have the necessary um, learning tools, but maybe they didn't have the space to do yeah, that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, and we're also tough. saying expanding the homeschool community liaison um, programme would be very beneficial in, de- in DESH schools, as well as expanding that programme to, to non-DESH schools, because we know from our work in the communities that there are many students that are attending non-DESH schools but are also facing significant disadvantage and they they are students that have you know we're, we're concerned may fall further behind the cracks um when they do return to school and there there's not those supports that are in DESH schools um to tackle that disadvantage okay so there is there is a number of um initiatives I suppose the department could do now and when schools uh, do reopen that really will um, I suppose help to prevent further educational disadvantage for students. Okay well hopefully they're listening to you and just before you go uh, Marcella, Tony in the city, one of our listeners is wondering, uh, do you think the government will extend this year's fuel allowance like they did last year? They extended it by a month last year didn't they during the first lockdown? They did and we are you know, in constant um, communications with the Department of Social Protection on this issue because we know uh, not just from this survey alone but, you know, from our communications with our with our members that fuel poverty uh, and food poverty are two big issues that low-income households are facing during this pandemic. So there are really two issues that we need to, to get to grips with um, to, to support and assist family. Okay. All right, Marcella, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. That is Marcella Stakeman from the Society of Vincent de Paul. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Our Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, this morning was giving an interview in our Dublin studios and we just took out some of the pieces that he spoke about and things that we thought that our listeners here would be interested in. He was asked, was he envious at the UK on the rollout of their vaccine? And because certainly we're hearing from a lot of our listeners who are getting starting to get, I think, very annoyed about the fact that they have family members or friends who have all been vaccinated and looking to, I think, are they up to 15 million people now have been vaccinated across the UK? They're running at about 20%. And we're going to have a problem problem in this country because 20% of Northern Ireland now have been vaccinated and it's all the people in the at-risk group and of course once they have everybody in the at-risk group vaccinated they then will get to the stage that they can really start to open up open up, and society can start to reopen and I think people in this country are going to get very annoyed if across the border in Northern Ireland they're back to some semblance of normality and across the water in the rest of the United Kingdom they're back to some semblance of normality and we are still in lockdown I think people are going to start getting very annoyed anyway so Michal Martin was asked is he looking across the water with a little bit of envy in his eye We will catch up, by the way. I mean, we, we, you know, we will be stronger on the second dose in terms of, of pace. Um, and uh, there's a journey yet to go on this. Um, but uh, I, I think Europe has acknowledged that on the authorisation front, they have been slower. I would hope now that could pick up a bit. So the next big vaccine coming on stream is Johnson & Johnson. Mm. It's due early April. I'd hope that could be brought forward. That's a single jab uh, vaccine, which uh, if that came forward towards the end of March... 
that would make a very significant difference in terms of volumes of vaccines available and the capacity also to administer easily you know That's through yeah, the GP the John, surgeries the, he's right on that the Johnson & Johnson will be I know they were all saying the AstraZeneca was going to be the game changer but the, vac- the Johnson & Johnson the fact that it's a single shot and it can be administered at the GPs that is going to be the big game changer and as I say we're looking now possibly April uh, for that particular vaccine and then hopefully once it gets the go ahead how much will we get into this uh, country Ross says if it wasn't also serious it would be like a carry on movie the way the vaccine is rolling out in this country Michal Martin then uh, was asked about people have become very frustrated with this current lockdown and people I think just want to know when will things get back to some kind of a normality so he was asked can can he understand the frustration out there when people are looking at the United Kingdom and when people are looking at Australia or say even New Zealand and this is what Neil Martin had to say Totally uh, absolutely understand how, how people are feeling at the moment um, but on the other hand I, w- I would say to people you know the first priority coming out of the third wave was to take the pressure off the hospitals mm. and, 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 and the workers in the hospitals frontline staff we all saw the programme last week again you could see the intensity of the pressure on people so the hospitalisation numbers have to come down the ICU beds uh, occup- occupancy has to come down but uh, and then we have to try and open up our schools on a, on, on a phased basis which we will do uh, and then our next priority will be housing uh, and I'm conscious that we also have to look at young people uh, through sport, through activities in the community for children and for young people. Uh, and that's something we're focusing on at the moment. It's not easy because of the, the new variant that has arrived and which makes up the majority of our cases. That enables the disease to spread more speedily. Mm. So that's a concern that the public health doctors have. They want to monitor as we open our schools what the impact of the new variant will be on on the transmission of the disease. But that said, I think as we roll out the vaccination, it definitely uh, will lead to a better quality of life for us. How long do you think the current restrictions of level five are going to last and what kind of numbers do you need to see for that to happen? Well, I think we will um, certainly, I see the the bulk of these uh, restrictions lasting out certainly to to the... um, uh, beyond you know the, the beyond March beyond Easter, um, we will be looking at the schools in 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 between that of course and construction, uh, and we will map out that next week. Uh, the government will be um, laying out a kind of a, um, a revised living with COVID plan. Uh, we do have to get the numbers down to very low n- numbers indeed in terms of both cases well below the R one obvi- number one obviously significantly below that because of the variant. Um, and they reckon the variant adds about 0.5 to the R number. So it's a different mm. uh, phase of the of the virus that we are now dealing with, which makes it more difficult in terms of the reopening. Uh, but if you look at the end of March, as I say, 1.1, maybe plus million doses of the vaccine will have been administered. You can very substantially increase on that by the end of April. Um, there is very much definitely light at the end of this tunnel. It, it, that's why it makes sense for us to try and Difficult and all as it is to stick with the uh, to stick with this these severe restrictions because it, it the combination of severe restrictions and the vaccination rollout will lead uh, in summer time to a better quali- quality of life for people. And it will it will be June, July, August. Then really, what you're saying there in terms of numbers, if, when you give it time, and you're talking about April, and you're still vulnerable people being vaccinated, we're not going to see. Anything below level well, five by mid-May? Uh, no, by mid-May we'd have all of the over seventies. 
right? Um, and that would be substantially. That's enough a huge issue because that means you, you know, but by any yardstick, by any analysis of the impact of the virus to date, it's those over eighty in mm. particular who have suffered the most because they are most vulnerable to this disease. Um, so that that will, in my view. Uh, have a significant impact on how how we organise society from then on. Okay, so listen to that mid May, uh, and it's actually it's all the over seventies they reckon are going to be vaccinated by mid May. Does that mean uh, we can start reopening and see some kind of a reopening of uh, society? Uh, some of your texts coming in. Uh, I mentioned earlier that people just seem to be getting a little bit ratty at the moment, and people fuses seem to be a little bit shorter and tempers seem to be afraid. Somebody says, yes, Patricia, you're right, people are getting ratty. But the reason that people are getting ratty is the government is not helping by giving out random dates for reopening. Uh, Say nothing until they have the right dates. Could they not at least even extend the five kilometres a bit more that that might help uh, people? Let me go to the phone lines where Tim is in Donnerail. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning, Patricia. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. You want to raise the issue that we spoke about on Friday on the programme, and this is to do with the amount of Irish people that suddenly need to have an urgent dental appointment in Tenerife. And then, of course, we found out later on Friday that many of the Irish people who are making these appointments these with Spanish dentists uh, don't actually turn up. They're just literally using it as a way of getting through Dublin Airport without being fined. That's right. Your thoughts on that, please? My thoughts on that. This actually broke on Friday. Yeah. Okay. Now, I've been listening to your programme on Friday and uh, I had to play it back at 11 o'clock at night, whatever, okay? Mm. I was listening to it this morning. I haven't held one comment as regards any penalty or anything being thrown on people that are after doing this. Okay? Mm. No. If you want my Alistair opinion, get on to their agencies or whatever agencies where they give their names that they wanted to go out on, on, on medical treatment, they wanted to go out for the dentistry side of it or whatever it was. Get every one of those names back here. Okay? Yeah. Those people arrived home. Let those people be able to put a receipt of any medical treatment or any dental work that they got done. In the event of their not being able to do it, an automatic fine. The 2,000 euro. Put 2,000 euro on each of them. And in the event, no position, I'm only going by what I was listening to over the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. I've been listening to people making a laugh of the 100 euro fine if they're outside despite the, the, the five kilometres. I've been listening to people over the weekend making a total joke of this. Um, oh, it was a great crack. It was a great way of making fools of the government, um, organising this, organising that. We still went on our holidays, right? Mm. Now, it's very easy to solve that. Get the names. Anyone without a receipt, 2,000 fine. Now, a comment I had over the weekend is that there's no point in fining them because those fines are not going to be paid anyway. No, there's a simple way of solving that. Anyone in social welfare, reduce it until you have your 2,000 fine back. Anyone working, notify the revenue 
and take it in tax. And deducted from source. Now I know on the late late on Friday night the guard the commissioner was on uh, Drew Harris and he clearly said that people travelling to Tenerife for dental appointments risked criminal prosecution. He says it isn't it isn't acceptable. But you they, see Patricia this is the point I'm making. This is actually the point I'm making. If we want to do this right we do it like New Zealand did and we do it like Australia did. Right? Mm. There's no such thing as there's a risk. There is no risk. Only go away and do it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I 100% agree because with you. We have and a every, but, but every single time that something like this comes out, and people were really annoyed because, and, and the lady who runs that dental practice said, absolutely, I will draw up a list of names, hand them over to the Gardaí. Because obviously, there's a dental practice in Tenerife who are now missing out on appointments. They're yes. taking the appointments in good faith. There's, those are appointments that could be given to somebody who genuinely has a tooth egg, a Spanish person who needs to get into a dentist, can't get in because it's booked out with these Irish people who failed to turn up. So she's very annoyed. She said, I will willingly hand over the list of names. But then I read this morning in the Irish Times that the Gardaí reckoned it would be a futile exercise as they reckon they wouldn't have any success with the prosecutions and they say that the reason would be if they track down somebody who say you didn't turn up for your dental appointment yet you, you know you flew to Spain claiming to a dental appointment that the person could simply say oh sorry I was sick on the day of the appointment so I was wasn't able to attend and they reckon they wouldn't be able to prosecute them. Right. So like every time you know we look at something and say we're prosecuting the, the guardies seem to come back and say well the interpretation of the law says we can't actually do it that way. Well what is wrong then Patricia? Change the law. Change the law. Yeah. And you're right and, about you're right and, about and Australia and New Zealand. And, and Patricia yeah. as regards anyone going to Spain right mm-hmm. they were supposedly sick on the day of disappointment mm. put evidence on the table that we had a, um, a COVID test 70 hours before we got on that plane to come home. Mm. No, that won't be shown either. Mm. That would be hoodwinked as well. So are you, are you obviously, if we are going to allow the airports and ports to remain open, I, I take it from what you're saying, you're into the what they do in New Zealand and Australia, the, the quarantine hotels straight in for 14 days regardless? But Patricia, there isn't any need of the quarantine hotel. Why? If you have someone that's after doing a COVID test, they're able to show that at the airport from, from um, we, we'll say, someone coming from England in here. Yeah. Show your COVID test. You have been clear. But that's only a snapshot in time, Tim. That's I, right. I can... come in then, Patricia. Yeah. And instead of this idea of a big uh, money spend, and that's all it is here, um, certain hotels being being taken on for isolation and for 14 days and this and that, right? Bring them in. Have one of those hotels, right? Have a test after they come in, right? Yeah. If they're clear, leave them go. Well, that's what they do. That's what they do in the other countries. You you arrive with your negative test. You're sent straight to the quarantine hotel. You're retested again on, on that day. You're retested again on day seven. You're retested again on day 12. And if all of those are clear, you then leave on day 14. And can I tell you, there has been people who've arrived into a country with a negative test. They were negative on the first day. And then on day seven or day 10, they turned out to be positive. Yes, right. Yes, yes. So, yes. I mean, if you're going to do it, you either do it right or we don't do it at all. That's right. Because we've opened, we've let the floodgates and we've let we've let people in and that and that's it. And, and there seems to be loopholes everywhere, you know, but, where we but, try and do something, there's a loophole to say, oh, well, you can get around that by doing this. But, 
But the person, that's, the people that are putting the loopholes there are the government. Change the and law. And I'm not criticising the government by saying this. I admit they're trying to do their best, right? But if you don't mind me saying, I'm a small little bit... I won't say it now. I'm a small little bit annoyed with the attitude of a share of the general public that can turn around and make a laugh of this idea of people going to Spain on holidays, hoodwinked the government by this medical, this, this yeah. medical, that. Almost they boasting about in. it. Where was their isolation? Yeah, yeah. Almost boasting about it. Yes. Okay, and that was one of the reasons that they, they, they increased the fine from 500 to 2,000 because they realised that the 500 wasn't, wasn't a big enough deterrent. They actually heard from people that when they were arranging their holidays, they factored in the 500 to say, oh, sure, that's okay, that's nothing, I'll be able to pay that. That's right. So and, that's, and that's, why, that's why I went to 2,000. It's crazy. Okay. legally, Patricia, legally in this country, right, if you're found driving a car in the morning and if you're missing a tax disc, or if you're missing a DOE test or an NCT test up on the windscreen, the guards can actually take your vehicle. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if you're outside your five kilometres, or if you're outside whatever distance they want to put in it, collect their cars. If they really want to solve it here, start putting things in their desk. That I'll go on to show us start getting tough them in start getting tough and if other countries can do it there's no reason why we can't do exactly. it either alright listen Tim good to talk to you stay right. safe Thank thanks a million bye bye 1850 and actually somebody else is picking up on something that happened at the weekend uh, hi I was watching the Tommy Tiernan shows as a texter on Saturday night which can I say is a fantastic show anyway it was the interview with Marion Keyes the wonderful writer um, he complimented her on how well she looked and she replied by saying oh thanks it was the makeup lady upstairs what about that says this texter all beauticians and hairdressers have taken a really hard knock since uh, Covid and we don't have studio audiences allowed in for any of these programmes but they apparently have hair and makeup artists working on the set surely Marion Keys and all of her equals and anybody else going on TV would be well able to do their own makeup like the rest of us as per typical rules for some and ru- and not rules for others. I, I was taken aback, I have to say, because I assumed that everybody was doing their own hair and makeup, particularly when they have no audience uh, in because they are very strictly adhering to the guidelines of social distancing and all of that. So, yeah, like you, I was a bit gobsmacked when I heard her say that she was with the makeup lady upstairs. C103 Jobs. Salesperson wanted for a pet store that's in uh, Bandon. Why ground uh, workers and trainee ground workers and general site operatives and cleaners are all required. That's in the Middleton uh, area. Qualified hairstylist wanted that's to work in Silver Springs. And Kyohan Seafood, they're based in Bantry. They've got a vacancy for a general operative. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Last week it was reported that income in parishes across the Catholic Diocese of Kerry had suffered a severe drop with many reporting falls of up to 50%. It's led to some parishes availing of the government's COVID income supports. To find out how things are closer to home, Father Tim Hazelwood, who is parish priest in Killa, joins me. Good morning to you, Father Tim. Good morning, 
And, and you're welcome. I assume income is down in every parish, not just here in Cork, but I imagine this is right across the country. Absolutely, yeah. I suppose it's like every other business, you know, when we're not open, you know, um, people are not coming. So uh, some parishes are lucky in this. In my own parish, we have uh, an envelope system and people are dropping them in, you know, Every few weeks, they drop in a few envelopes, which keeps the thing ticking over. But it's down hugely. But I think there's a, there's a distinction Patricia needs to be made. One is that one is parish income. The other is the priest payment income. And I know people say, oh, God, they're all well off. And I suppose we don't have huge demands. Is that we're single and we live in a house, a parish house. Um, but the money... But you have all of the bills to, to run a parish house. And you have to be fed as well. Well, that's we, that's our. Um, we, we're classified as self-employed. We okay. have to generate our own income, in, in the sense that, like a lot in Cloyne, in our diocese, we hold the station masses and we Christmas offerings and Easter offerings, and they are specifically for to pay the priest. We cannot take the money out of what's coming in for church upkeep. They're totally separate. Okay. So, so it's and we have a system in in Cloyne whereby parishes where the income would be above say the minimum that uh, there's a kind of a tax put on that and, and and parishes that they wouldn't have had enough, a priest wouldn't have enough he'd, he'd get some money from the others. But that, that was fine last year but this year that won't work because we're closed for longer and um, well it's down much more. And and can you claim some of the government's income supports? Well we 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 st- had enough this last year for um to pay us that okay. everyone got got the minimum this year now I'm, I think I'd say uh, I think the thinking is that we'll try other things first you know people uh, we need to be a bit creative like like businesses you know like um, online paying and stuff like that you know to see um, what way it's going to go but it, it brings the bigger issues into play again because if our income is down, the income for the parish and the upkeep of churches and all that, they don't go away and you can't just switch them off. So, And I don't think when we come back we're going to have the same numbers as we had previously. So I think the, what was maybe five or six years down the road is going to happen now, I think. So we have to be creative. It's an opportunity we have to look at different ways and doing things differently. And, and that's interesting because earlier today we put the shout out, people were wondering about the ashes for Ash Wednesday. Yeah. Are you, what, yeah. what are you doing in Killa? Well, what we're doing is that we have got bags and we put them into into bags. They'll be blessed on Ash Wednesday morning and we'll just have them uh, on a table. People can drop into the church and, and take and a bag. And, and yeah, and it's bus come First bus served, served, yeah, and, and a number they're of gone, they're, they're gone. gone. A number of parishes, and we're hearing from a number of, of churches as well. But that led to one of our listeners contacting us to say she was kind of amused by all of this because we started getting calls in on Friday to say could we find out what was happening with the ashes, and she was saying, you know, that she uh, on Ash Wednesday she'd go to mass, and if there would be ten people at her church and she said suddenly everybody's shouting and roaring has everybody become a holy joe and that led me to think there are people who've come back to the church now be it on an online form format yeah have you are you hearing or noticing that or, or would well, you be aware of that but it, well i just to clarify what that um, listener was saying like uh, Last year, our numbers would have a nice number, and we'd have a mass in the evening, and they'd be a nice enough number. But the amount of people 
after the mass would come up with a little envelope that the whole lot would be gone. You know, they yeah. take it home for others. And like we have a, I have a, a local postman now, and he's very good and kind. And he came to me and he said, "Could I do anything?" That there are people living on their own who are, you know, who are staying in. So I've arranged that he's going to get some of the bags and he takes them to oh, them as well. That's really good. That's that's. And do, do is there anything people need to do when they're when they're administering ashes to each other or to themselves? Well, what we've done is that the the diocese has put together a short little prayer service that if people like to uh, to have a little prayer service with the family that they could do. You know, just uh, around the ashes and uh, uh, um, there's a specific prayer, you know, turn away from sin, believe in the gospel as you put it on yourself. And um, they could say that, okay. just to say a little prayer, something nice and simple. But if they want to see something specific uh, on on our parish website, we're going to put it up. But on the diocesan website, there is a prayer service, short little prayer service. And here, well. here, here's a, an interesting one uh, from a texter. Our priest said we can use ashes from home and he will bless it during Mass online on Wednesday evening. This listener said, I always put a little piece of bread on the table beside a lighted candle while watching Mass online. And when oh, the priest consecrates the bread and wine, my little bit of bread, I feel is blessed too, which I, used in, which I use as my own communion. I find it very comforting to do this. Isn't that that's a really sweet thing to do? But that priest has decided he'll just bless ashes online and people can do that as well well that's that's another way of doing it (laughs) we have to be creative that's the thing you know and like the whole idea is not whether it is valid or not and all that you know to be technical about it the whole idea is the intention of the person who's doing it that's it if they want to start Lent with this you know why not why not? Why not? Uh, lots of people saying you can get ashes in the three churches in Ahabola Church. It'll be available in small envelopes. And yeah. Carrick Navarre Church is doing takeaway ashes. <laughs> Someone else was saying click and collect. I was saying it's not quite quick click and collect now, but it's it's ta- it's ta- it's takeaway uh, ashes. So anyway, back to and that's just that's an aside. So do, so do you think your your gut instinct is telling you that the Catholic Church is going to look different post COVID? Well, I think our world is going to look different post-COVID. I think we have to reassess what our priorities are. Do we want to go back to a kind of society that is consumer-driven, that we're more and more and more and take and take? Where did this come from? And I think it's, it's not just something in Wuhan. I think it's, it's because the way we've, we have become. Pope France is very strong on, you know, we are one people. And we, I think that we have to reassess you know, what's happening in our world, in our society. People are going to be working from home more. I think people are more family-orientated. I, I think, it, like, what it's going to be will be, but I, I definitely... And the church as well. Even that's what you said, that listener saying there about their way of doing it. Mm-hmm. When the past, the church was too caught up in, in, in being legalistic and one size fits all. And I think we have to be more creative and, well, again, and and... We are getting older, the priests are, and women will have to be given important positions in the church, leadership positions, and all those kinds of questions, I think, are resurfacing again. Yeah, and I think this is what, as you say, it's going to be a very changed world for everybody yeah. when we get out of this pandemic. And how are you doing yourself, Father Tim? I'm doing fine, lots of walking. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's disheartening because, like we say, I say Mass on Facebook and and I'm looking at a phone, you know, know. 
I suppose our job was so much connected to people and, um, you know, uh, going out, meeting people and visiting people and stuff like that. And we're very restricted, so it's kind of phones and that kind of stuff. And um, But I think people are, people are safe and well, and that's the main thing. OK, and funerals, are they very difficult at the moment for, for well, every we're priest? Very we're very lucky in Killer. We haven't had a funeral in ages since... Wow. Since since Christmas, so we're very lucky, and uh, well, they're very difficult. Difficult because it's sad that you have to say to somebody, "Look, your grandchildren can't come," or you know that. And it seems that it's from these large gatherings that a lot of the cases come from. So it's it's not it's not easy. Okay, and um, and one of our listeners is responding to to the to the lady who commented on earlier, who was saying people running around looking for the ashes. Has everybody become holy joes? Uh, Mary said, "I would like to remind that lady that when the prodigal son returned as Christians, we welcome everyone back to the church. There yeah. are people looking at mass online now who haven't been to mass for years. Isn't it fantastic? Be yeah. kind, please. That's and, right. and that's it. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, okay. I think." That- one thing I think that we have to be careful of, and uh, I think it's, uh, I was listening to Maureen McGuinness yesterday on another radio station, and she was just saying about, say, the vaccines, that's this big thing now about I want it, I want it, and it's about very much me, and um, I was delighted to hear that the EU are part of a programme that's trying to get vaccines to the rest of the world, you know, to the poor countries, you know, uh, Britain and the United States are lucky there vastly wealthy country but we need to think of people who can't afford because the vac- if, if the vaccine doesn't go to everyone uh, Covid doesn't go away We're not all out of the woods until everyone's out of the woods That's and, the thing and, and we need to think of that yeah, I think. We do, we do indeed Listen, stay safe Father Tim Okay. And a pleasure right, as always to talk to you Thanks a million okay. That is uh, Father Tim Hazelwood who is parish priest in uh, Killa uh, and said it's bad if people don't give in the parish envelope every week. Well, listen to Father Tim. Some people are being very good and very generous. They mightn't call in every week, but they'll put in the envelopes uh, every now and again. And somebody else on the ashes says, I often remember bringing home ashes to an elderly person, people who would have been housebound and not able to get to the church. So it is no different this year, except just check in with your local church. Most of them, it seems, uh, will have ashes available. But when they're gone, they're gone because it's hard to know how many how many they're going to actually need and once they're all gone they're gone so please when you are going to pick up ashes just take the one little envelope be you know mindful of others calling in who might call in after you and will want to bring ashes home as well John Paul taking your calls 1850 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk Walk the walk, cmig.ie. And by the way, this is our final week where we will be playing Ken's Pure Cork quiz on this uh, programme. Uh, and then after, from next week onwards, it'll just be played on the breakfast show with uh, Ken. So if you want to take part today, your chance to win €103 Euro by joining me on air and answering three Cork questions. Can you text or WhatsApp now, please? 0862103103 with your name and address. Please get texting and we'll bring somebody on air. That will be after 12 o'clock today. But get te- it's by text and WhatsApp only and then you'll get a call back 0862 103 103 and Michael says uh, Patricia I'm sacristan in the White Church 
church just to let people know we also will have ashes available uh, in envelopes on Wednesday and most of that is done on Wednesday morning thank you for that that's uh, White Church and someone else says Patricia would you give a big shout out to the boys and girls of Sarsfields GAA Club in Glanmire they're putting in great work doing their online exercises every Saturday morning with their coaches uh, it is great help even though it's not outdoors on the pitches where they normally train together but they're not you know they know they're in lockdown but they want to keep up their training and it's much appreciated to see them all doing it online well done and that's from uh, Finbar the coaching officer at Sarsfields uh, GAA uh, thank you for that OK last Friday I spoke with Carol Rumley who is a dialysis patient and she was outlining the urgent need for her and other dialysis patients to get their vaccines because she has to go in to CUH three times a week in order to get dialysis and she said she's nervous every single time she goes into the hospital even though the hospital are doing everything possible you know to keep her safe she's still very much aware that she is in a building where you know there is a lot of COVID-19 and she's always terrified going in and just she's basically shielded at home and has been since uh, March well uh, Shirley in Ahada uh, contacted us with a kind of a similar story good morning to Shirley Good morning, Patricia. Shirley, now, this, it's not you going for dialysis, it's your husband. It's my husband, yes. How long has he been on dialysis? He's been on dialysis for four years. And how did he end up on dialysis? Paul was diagnosed with diabetic in May of 1989, just two months before our wedding. Okay. And in March 2017, Paul's kidneys failed and he went on dialysis three to four mornings a week. And in that same year, then, he had to have both his kidneys removed. Wow. So he went on a waiting list in April 2018 and his brother got tested and his brother was a perfect match. Brilliant. So the transplant was to go ahead in March the 16th of last year. But on the Friday, Paul got a call from Dublin to say that the transplant was cancelled due to the COVID-19. Oh my God, it was just really the beginning of the whole pandemic. Two days away from it. And okay, just take me back there. There's a lot of information there. He did was the kidney problems as a direct result of being diabetic. Now they're saying it wasn't. They're saying that there was two little tumours on the kidneys and that they had to be removed. And both of his kidneys were removed at the same time. Yes, there was one removed in May and one was removed in September. And therefore, without dialysis, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be with us. No, he wouldn't. But, but since then, then, Paul has had further complications because he's deteriorating, I suppose, really. So he further complications. And in July last year, he got gangrene and his big toe had to be amputated. And when that was being done, the doctor noticed, noticed a mole on the same leg. And that had to be removed in December of this year. And the doctor then had to go in further and take a bigger piece out of his leg. And that had to be skin grafted. <clears throat> And Paul is now waiting for a test scan and then results will determine what stage of melanoma he has. Oh, wow. wow. So over the past four years, Paul had near-death experiences and taken into intensive care. And he's running his own plant and haulage business over 35 years. And there's nothing easy about it, especially over the past four years when Paul can't do anything like he used to be able to do. And the bills are still coming in and all of that has to be addressed. But we have one son, Jeffrey. he's 27, and he's been in the machines and the trucks with Paul since he was able to walk. So Jeffrey works in the business. Brilliant. We're very proud of him and very proud of that. Brilliant. It's but do you... Do, going for Paul, you know? Do you live in absolute fear of Paul picking up COVID? I'm, I'm, I'm very scared that Paul will pick up COVID. 
especially with all the complications that he has. And, and Paul is always in good form and he always has a great outlook. Paul is an inspiration, you know, and he's a very sick man. And, you know, the sooner the vaccines come in and, you know, the better. And, like, and his group, like, because that's why Carol, that's why we had Carol on the programme on uh, Friday. Dialysis patients and transplant patients who are obviously immune compromised because of their transplants, they haven't even been mentioned yet for a no, date. It's just not good enough. Like, it's, know, it's, it's, it's not. It really isn't good enough. It's very scary, Paul, going up there three mornings or four mornings a week, you know, and you, he's coming home and you don't know. Now, Paul has, has got tested a few times for. For, for COVID and thanks to God it has come back clear but you'd still never know when it's going to when he's going to contract it and obviously everybody in the ho- household then has to be ultra careful very careful very careful do you know like he's from he's from the hospital to home and he really can't go anywhere because he's too vulnerable to go anywhere you know and is he is he does he have to inject with the diabetes is he insulin yeah. dependent yeah. he is yeah. three times a week Three times, three times every day. Because that's to tough going, isn't it? It's is very tough going. It is. It's, yeah, it's, it's not easy. Like, you know, I, I, I know this COVID is terrible and people can't do what they want to do anymore. But, but that, 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 that will come back and people will be able to do what they want to do again. Like, like for Paul and many more like him, the only thing that will get them to be able to do the things that they're missing out on is a transplant. It, 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 it's a horrible sentence but Paul is going through really. Any idea on when living transplants will start up again? I, I have no idea no. and because of all the complications Paul has got since then I don't know will he ever be able to get back on the list or will he ever have his transplant you know, and he just missed out on that by two days. Oh, please God he will. Please God he, he, he will. And it's his brother came forward and as a perfect match. He did. He did. Yeah. He was a perfect match. It's like go- it would be like the last thing that I want happening now is for Paul to get COVID-19. I know. Do you know, he, they need the vaccine. They, you know, they need them. And, 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 and when he's up getting the dialysis, are the hospitals saying anything as to when they think he might get it? Well, now, Paul has never mentioned to me when they're going to get it. He's never said it to me that there's dates set or that there's anything set for us. I know the Irish Kidney Association's fighting like mad because... They are. They are, and they're, and they're doing great work. Yeah. Do they you know? should be up there with the at-risk groups. You know, absolutely, they should be top of the pile. Oh, they should be. OK, should and be. Shirley, what keeps you going? I keep, I keep, I keep myself as busy as I can. Do you know? Yeah. I keep myself busy and um, I'm, all, I'm always there for Paul and that's, that's it. Well done. And you've got a wonderful that's son in Jeffrey as well. You've got a wonderful is... son, absolutely. And and just and just to mention now that um, it's Paul's birthday on Sunday. Is it? So okay. It is. So I'd like to wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> OK, listen, look after yourself, look after uh, Paul and uh, keep the sunny disposition as best you can. Exactly, Patricia. We keep the sunny side out and hope for the best. God bless. Take care, Shirley. Okay, Thanks thank for that. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Shirley from uh, Ahada. And I suppose it just brings home when you listen to what her husband Paul is going through and people are giving out because they don't know if they're going to be able to go to Spain on holidays or where they're going to do their staycation this year. It kind of puts it all into perspective, doesn't it? When you see somebody like that and the battles that's going on in that household just simply to stay alive and to uh, keep going. So thanks to Shirley for that. And somebody sent me on a WhatsApp picture 
to say hi. I was in, went in to say a prayer in my local church yesterday and these lovely envelopes were available for all to take home. Great idea. And there was a little, uh, there a little white envelope from the Diocese of Cork and Ross with the Blessed Ashes as a little prayer on it and it says repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, so I'm assuming that they've been given out to all parishes in the Diocese of Cork and uh, Ross. But as Father Tim from Killa said, it will very much be on a first come, first served basis. But it does look like some of the churches are giving out the ashes in advance of uh, Wednesday because somebody else has said uh, Patricia St. Catherine's Church in Connor uh, will have the ashes available but that is on Wednesday so a number of them are waiting until Wednesday to actually have the ashes available. And hi Patricia, this is Jared in Newmarket. Do you know where I could donate newborn baby clothes for a baby boy? I have a bag full and I'd love to donate them to a good cause uh, thanking you. I don't know anyone who's... I know the Vincent de Paul bins are being regularly emptied and items collected. Most of the charity shops, all of the charity shops are closed and because they stopped the click and collect, the government went against the click and collect for everybody. Because of that, a number of charity shops stopped taking donations. So I don't know if any charity shop locally to Jerry Newmarket is taking donations. But I do know if you can get it to a Vincent de Paul bin, they'll eventually end up in the Vincent de Paul shops. I'm always a bit nervous about some of the other bins because some of them are commercial and they just give a small percentage to the charity that's on the front. So I'm always a bit nervous about some of the other bins, but I have great faith in the Vincent de Paul bins because I know they end up in the Vincent de Paul charity shops, the Vincent's uh, shops. But we'll call it out, Jar. If anybody in the Newmarket area knows of where Jar could donate them or knows of somebody in need of newborn baby clothes, for a little baby boy and as we know newborns get so many clothes so many new clothes and she's the only wear half of them probably some of them are brand new 1850 if anybody has advice for Jar, you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 keep your questions coming in for Annalise Dressel as well because she joins us in the next hour Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack If you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Like Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let me give you an idea on what's on people's minds uh, today. A listener is wondering when we were talking about the flights, uh, people leaving this country and the Gardaí uh, saying that they don't believe that they have the power to stop people travelling abroad for dental appointments. But yet that was very different to what the Gardaí commissioner said. Drew Harris on the Late Late on Friday night, he says that a dental appointment risked criminal prosecution. He says you will be fined. And we know that anyone caught travelling to the airport or port for a non-essential uh, journey. The, at the moment, they risk a €500 euro fine and that's soon to be raised to 2000 And actually, I had to check I had to check and correct myself on that one. I thought it had already been increased to 2000 but obviously we need legislation or something or somebody signing something. It's still at €500 euro for those leaving the country, but it does go to... It does go to €2,000. Somebody by WhatsApp is uh, wondering, will Micheál Martin be charged, that €100 was what the fine was originally, the €500, if he decides to go to America? Allowing the Italians in, remember that last March? That should never have happened on day one. It's because of that we are in the mess we are in. Well, I can tell you, Micheál Martin won't have to worry about paying a fine to leave the country because, of course, as we know, it has been decided now that he's not going to America with the bowl of shamrock. It's going to be some kind of a Zoom call or something to uh, Joe Biden. That was decided at the weekend. And here's a typical example of a text that we constantly have been getting in over the last couple of weeks. This is from Jerry in Mitchellstown this time. Jerry says, I've got a brother and a sister-in-law in London. They are in their late 50s, early 60s. Guess what? They both received their first vaccination last uh, Friday. And that's from Jerry in Mitchellstown. As I say, since the UK started to ramp up their vaccinations, I don't think there's a day goes by that we don't get a call or a text in from somebody saying was just speaking with. And it's usually similar call to that text, speaking to a sibling, uh, younger in many cases than some of the people they're contacting here in Ireland. And people are getting very annoyed when they see 15 million now have been vaccinated across the water and yet uh, we're still now starting to roll out with the over 85s and even that just seems to be too slow a pace for too many people because we're now we're told three weeks to get all of the over 70s uh, done. Uh, well, no, it's not. It's three weeks, sorry, for all the over 85s. It's going to be mid 
May before we've all of the over 70s uh, vaccinated. And listen to this one from John. It says, Patricia, we drove to Port Leash yesterday and I was straight away about to say, oh, it's a bit outside your 5k, John. But anyway, there was a good reason for it. The reason John had to get in the car and drive to Port Leash yesterday was John's wife was going for her vaccine. She works in a GP practice. John says the journey took about six hours. But he said, isn't it mind boggling? boggling why we had to travel outside of our own county for the jab delighted though absolutely thrilled that one of us at least has had the vaccine but it does seem nuts and I'm really taken aback by that because I know yesterday I knew there was a big it was right across the weekend it was Saturday and Sunday there was a big push to get as many of the GP the GPs and everybody working in the GP practices the practice nurses I, I don't know about the admin staff as the admin staff as well but there was a big push at the weekend because obviously they're going to be at the front line of giving out the vaccines so there was a big push to get them all vaccinated. I thought John that there would have been a vaccination centre here in Cork because last week remember we were looking at the pictures on the paper and I was talking about them they were on the front page of the Irish Examiner. City Hall has all been laid out so I assumed that all the GPs from certainly from Cork City and County and probably from the South. I thought they all would have gone to the one in City Hall. But So I'm taken aback to hear that. Uh, John's wife in a GP practice in Cork being sent to Portleash, a six-hour round trip for the vaccine. It, it does seem a little bit nuts, uh, does it not? Thank you for your text and good, as you say, good to know that your wife got vaccinated. Hi Trish, do we know... Uh, do we know will the go- why the government didn't accept the vaccines that were on offer from the UK? Our government seemed to be afraid of the EU. They are like puppets. And I think that, well, that was the reason I think that they didn't accept and whether that will change. But I think that was the reason was because the EU, the Britain are now outside of the EU and therefore it will be accepting vaccines from somebody outside of the EU. And we're all in the EU together when it comes to the uh, vaccinations. OK, and then, hi, this is Anne in Ballon Temple. says, hi, Patricia, my car tax is up at the end of February. Haven't been using my car only once a week. Shouldn't they give us a bit of a reduction? <laughs> says Anne in Ballon Temple. Well, in the ideal world, yes, Anne, you would get a reduction, but you haven't a hope in hell of getting a reduction unless I think the car was parked up completely for three months and you, you've got to go to the your local guard the station then don't you to get some kind of a letter but no uh, would I would like to think you get a reduction but you won't you haven't you really haven't to hope in hell of uh, of getting a reduction uh, stay safe okay some of your texts in Patricia the lady juror in Newmarket wasn't it who was the newborn baby closed for a baby boy tell her to look up the Facebook page called Street Angels there's a lady there that operates it called Hazel and she helps young families in emergency accommodation and I'm sure that they'd be very grateful of newborn baby clothes. Well, I haven't. I must check out that Facebook page, Street Angels, if Jar in Newmarket because I haven't got any other suggestion for Jar as to what she can do. She's a big bag of newborn baby clothes for a little boy and she'd love to give them on to a needy cause. So there's a suggestion for you, Street Angels on uh, Facebook. There are questions for Annalise. Thank you for that. Hi Patricia, could you please find out why <laughs> the teachers are on midterm break this week? Shouldn't they not even in school? Where's the ideology in all of that, uh, please? The teachers will say that they've been working very hard at home doing remote teaching and that's the reason and this is their midterm break. Listen, the one thing that... <sighs> 
infuriated me last week was when the special needs schools opened on Thursday and Friday of last week. Now there's only 50% so most special needs kids went back into school maybe for one day. They went in Thursday and then the other half went in on Friday and those schools are closed this week for midterm. So that's really infuriating because I heard, you know, I saw one woman was saying she didn't know she was desperate for her son to go back into his special school and how he was missing it uh, so much. But she said, if I send him back for one day and then he won't be going back again, I think it was for another nine days. And she was saying that's going to be so confusing for him. But the midterms are set and that's it. It's the same if the the mainstream schools open at the end of March they'll go in and they'll be just in time for them to get their two week Easter break as well. Now, having said that, there are parents at home listening to this programme who have been homeschooling and who are only thrilled that the kids are on mid-term because there's been some very fraught households trying to do juggling acts between homeschooling, running the house and maybe at the same time working from home. So I think there's a number of parents probably very happy that there is some bit of a mid-term. Hi Patricia, I was listening to our Taoiseach Micheál Martin on your programme uh, today about the lifting of lockdown and the new strain of the virus. Yes, the UK have vaccinated over 15 million people. They did it in village halls, they did it in churches, they did it in schools. And can I add to that, I saw a picture on the paper today. They had a taxi, you know the black taxis that you see in London? They had one of those taxis kitted out as a kind of a little vaccine centre and they were driving around vaccinating people who couldn't get out to the village hall, the church or the school. So they really are thinking outside of the the box. Back to this texter. The government here say, if I have it right, that it is not acceptable here to vaccinate inside in village halls, churches or schools and that the only way to do it is to do it in GP practices. You are right. I mentioned that uh, earlier uh, as well. Well, if that's the case, the lockdown will stay in place until at least June or later. We've heard this all before. Why can't Ireland get the job done like they have in the United Kingdom? There always seems to be some excuse in this country as to why we can't do something. No one people are getting fed up with it all thanking you and then there was a couple of texts in about that about what I was saying that I've noticed people are just a little bit edgier and people are getting fed up and you know tempers are are going and people are fuses seem to be very uh, short Patricia says you're dead or uh, Texas says Patricia you're dead right people are getting very edgy and it's almost like they've had they've taken enough I'm seeing it all around me we know how serious this pandemic is but people must must remember that the HSE were in massive trouble before COVID ever arrived. Think of all the waiting lists we had before the pandemic arrived. Now it looks like it seems to be the same with the vaccine and that's from a 78-year-old. Well, hang in there. You're on the list at least and you have some kind of a time frame for when you will receive your uh, vaccines. On the people who decide to go to Tenerife on a dental appointment and then then don't show up. And we know now very clear evidence from the dental practice in Tenerife that it's all a big hoax because the one thing that the dental practice in Tenerife started to realise, they started to get a flood of people looking for appointments from Ireland and when they'd agree an appointment straight away the person would say could you send me on an email just to confirm that appointment with the date and the time on it and they said they, could, they couldn't work out why until then they started realising 
when people didn't show and then they realised that people were being stopped at the airport and they needed to have this letter oh I'm going to the dentist so they, then they started putting two and two together and it was explaining all of the uh, no shows John says um, and now the Gardaí are saying that they don't believe they have the power to stop people travelling abroad for dental appointments because it is allowed under the constitution and under the current travel rules it does allow for national and international travel for medical and dentistry reasons so the Gardaí even though Drew Harris said something completely different he reckons it wasn't an essential journey so I I don't know where we are in all of this Uh, John says Patricia all our laws are simply years out of date the Paddies we're always great people to find a way around laws. It seems to be an Irish thing and we seem to love the idea if we can get around some kind of a law. I suppose, do you remember back in the day when the pubs were closed on Good Friday and people would get in for a pint and even though they could have gone in any other day of the year and they loved the idea of, of getting in through the back door and doing it covertly and having their drink on uh, Good Friday and on uh, Christmas Day. Thanks for that, John. Hi, Patricia. I'm listening to your conversation about people visiting supposedly Tenerife for dental treatment surely only the inverted commas patient alone should be the one travelling no see therein lies the problem Uh, with this current travel rules people are allowed to travel for medical and dentistry reasons and they're allowed to bring a person with them to support them during their treatment and that's you know absolutely I would 100% agree with that if somebody's going for major medical treatment and they need a bit of support when they're abroad but that's how people are getting around a couple travelling one has the appointment for the dentist oh I've got the appointment she's travelling with me because I'll need the support and then they don't bother showing up and then the dentist in Tenerife has all of these no uh, shows. Uh, Hi Patricia I am sick of it all we seem to be hearing at the moment is what we can and can't do. Hi Patricia when we check in at the airport surely there's a record of who went on what flight. Anyone travelling to any of these sunny destinations should be fined full stop 100% none of those flights to sunny destinations are there. None of them are for essential travel, according to this listener. Are factory workers, there's somebody else, less likely to get COVID-19 than, say, construction workers? Factory workers are still working while most construction sites are at a standstill. And construction sites, they could have block layers, are working in very well-ventilated buildings, maybe without windows, can't see why they're not allowed back to work. And they are trying to get construction workers uh, back. But yes, you're not the first person to say about factory workers workers being particularly in areas that don't have a lot of uh, ventilation. Okay, hi Patricia. If you are over 70 and don't get the vaccination until May, what is the hold up? I thought the government already had the vaccines. It looks like the EU is leaving us down, says Ellen. No, um, the vaccines come in every week. They know they have a set amount in every week and they know by the number of vaccines they're going to get every week. That's how they're judging that they will have everybody done by or all the over 70s done by mid-May. For example, there's only, I think, 20,000 vaccines for this week, but that ramps up. I think it's about 42,000 the following week. I think 42,000 the week after. They know how many people over the age of seven, uh, over the age of eighty-five, for example, they know over the next three weeks they'll have enough vaccines to get them all vaccinated once. So yes, they're caught with the number of vaccines that they get in every single week. And yes, that is dictated by the EU. Someone else says, let us travel at least within our own county. So many people are saying that, remove the five kilometre rule and bring it back to, you know, when we were able to travel with our own county. And of course, when we were able to travel in our own county, we here in Cork were blessed because we live 
in such a big, beautiful county and there's so many places for us to go and uh, visit. Lots of people are shouting uh, for that one. The Ashes, back to the Ashes, they will be available in Burnford Church on Ash Wednesday. That is from 10am. We spoke about flooding in West Cork earlier. Wastewater, wastewater and sewage in the same pipe should never be done, says Liz. That's where she feels Irish Water got it wrong in uh, Bandon. Hi Patricia, well, is the vaccination ever going to come in tablet form? Certainly no, not at the moment. There's no sign of it coming in uh, tablet form. And somebody else is asking about what are the side effects from vaccine and have you spoken to anyone who got the two uh, jabs? We have had people who've had the two jabs. The side effects appear to be extremely mild. Some people, and again, it's not for everyone, it's a little bit like the flu jab. Some people complain about the injection site. They might of pain there. Some have complained of tiredness and muscle aches usually for the first two days but definitely gone within a week and on the second uh, when the second jab is given the side effects there similar again mild reactions after being vaccinated Uh, some people got kind of chills, a little bit fatigued, some complained of headaches, but usually gone within t- within two days. So again, very similar. You'll have other people who get the vaccine, get absolutely no side effect. Again, as I say, like the flu jab, I get the flu jab, get absolutely no side effect. And I always get the flu jab at the same time as my special needs daughter, Marsha, gets it. And bless her heart, her arm on the site where the injection comes in it comes up like a golf ball you can actually feel the heat through it and it lasts probably three or four days and then it disappears and it's gone so when she gets her COVID jab I will be expecting something similar as well but very very mild side effects very very mild 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice See corkcoco.ie. The AGM of Dukas Clonakilty Heritage. They're holding it on Zoom on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. The Zoom login details have been emailed to members. Anybody wishing to join the meeting should email Dukas Lecture and Field Trips at gmail.com. Dara Community Centre in Ring in Clonakilty are holding a wellness webinar that's happening this Thursday, 18th of February at 8 o'clock. Guest speakers will share practical tips to help with sleep, nutrition, anxiety and stress management. You can register for the free Zoom event by calling 086 37 or you can go to Dara Community Centre's Facebook page. And Dublin historian Liz Gillis will speak on Women of the Revolution. That's at the monthly Zoom lecture of Clonakilty Heritage. That's happening on Thursday, the 25th of February at 9 o'clock. To request a login, you need to email Dukas Lectures and Field Trips at gmail.com. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. I don't know if this has happened in any other school, but Tom in uh, Mallow uh, says his grandson is attending secondary school and his daughter has paid €140 Euro for the grandson to do his mock leaving search. Now the mocks never went ahead. So Tom is wondering will the schools refund the money? The schools haven't said either way. Well the mocks are not due to happen 
the mocks normally happen. Is it is it around now or is it later? Is it around April the mocks normally happen? I suppose it's going to be a wait until the schools get back in. I'm assuming, Tom, that if they get cancelled, then yes, of course, that the the schools will refund uh, the money but I suppose you're going to have to wait until they're back in in person. Remember there's still discussions as we speak happening today as to what is going to happen with this year's Leaving Cert. We know it's we know the ASTI are back around the table with the TUI and the Department of Education and the Minister so the discussions are going on so I suppose until we know for sure, for sure, for sure what's happening with the Leaving Cert schools won't know whether they're going to run mocks or not so I would tell your daughter to hang on and wait and see. It is possible those mocks will go ahead but if they do don't go ahead. I would 100% say the schools will refund the money. But has that happened to anybody else? Any other schools having it have made a decision that the mocks are not going ahead? And if so, has money been refunded? 1850-333-103. Time to do this. Ken's Pure Core Quiz. We've got thousands of euro to give away on C103. Whatever it takes. And this is the final week that myself, Nick and Martina will be playing Ken's Pure Cork Quiz from next week. It will only be Ken's Pure Cork Quiz because he'll continue to play it on The Breakfast Show 20 past 7 and 20 past 8. Now, where am I going? I'm going to Glanmire where Noreen O'Callaghan should be at the end of this phone line. Good afternoon to you, Noreen. Hi, Patricia. And how are you today? Good. What are you up to on this Monday? Um, Just heading for a walk now in a minute. Okay. did you have a nice weekend? I had a lovely weekend, thanks, yeah. Any Valentine end no. to it? No. <laughs> no. But you had a nice weekend yourself, which is the important uh, yeah, thing. That's the important. Yeah. Okay, €103 Euro could be yours by answering three cork questions. Are you ready? I am. Are you ready for it? Three, two, one. The class ticket. What cork town has a model railway village? Um, Kilty. Where was Roy Keane born? Mayfield or Toker? Mayfield. Name the famous tea company in Cork. Barry's. Yay! Whoa! Can I say, Noreen, that was by the skin of your teeth. Okay. <laughs> but you did it. You struggled oh on the God. first one. You struggled on the first one, but you got I it did. right. It is Clannacilty. Roy yeah. Keane was born in Mayfield. And of course, the famous tea company in Cork is Barry's. You won for yourself 103 euro. Thank you so much. There will be an extra spring in your step as you head out for your walk. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks a million. Good Thanks. Bye Good bye. Bye bye. Noreen O'Callaghan in Glenmire, our latest winner on Ken's Pure Cork Quiz. And this, Nick plays this afternoon. Martina plays again. And then we start all over again with Ken tomorrow morning. He plays twice on The Breakfast Show, 20 past seven and 20 past eight. You can listen on your phone, your smart speaker, or your radio to win on C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Annalise Drissel of the healthhubstore.com now online, uh, joining us from her store in uh, Times Square in Ballancolly. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon. Professor. And how, how are you today? Very good, thank you. Spring is in the air, isn't it? It is. There's a real, real feel of spring about yeah. it. Actually, I was thinking of you at the weekend because I read a report that's coming out, I think it was from the States, but they were just showing the vitamin D again, the importance of vitamin D, particularly, it doesn't stop you getting COVID, but the amount of people who weren't lacking in vitamin D did so much better, even in the real at-risk vulnerable groups, did so much better. The ones who went into hospital recovered much more quicker. 
Absolutely, Patricia. And actually, there's quite a few studies now. There's probably about 14 or 15 properly conducted clinical trials on this. And um, across the board, they're showing that it makes you less likely to end up having to end up in ICU, even if you do get COVID. And that, the, as you said, the majority of people who had good vitamin D levels were home much, much quicker than people whose vitamin D levels were low. So, you know, we say it every year because of the winter months. I mean, it definitely vitamin D for the immune system is massive. But at the moment, I think we should all be taking vitamin D year round because it's a very cheap, simple thing to do. And there's so many protective elements to it. It's definitely worthwhile. OK, let's get straight into questions. Questions. Mary has been on. She has a tear in her muscle. What could you recommend for some doing some kind of exercise now and has torn one of the muscles? Okay, so generally the best thing for torn, sprained, pulled muscles is arnica. And the best way to do that take it, is to take it and to put it on. So get an arnica gel as opposed to an arnica cream because the content of arnica in the gel or an oil is going to be much higher. And then you can take arnica tablets. Um, they're homeopathic remedies, so you'll get them in any health shop. It'll come as Arnica 30C. And just follow the instructions on the side of that and take it until you feel better. And then for some people as well, if they've taken, uh, if they've done a very bad pull um, to muscles or if there's tendons involved, there's a homeopathic remedy called Rutta Grava. And that is fantastic for a pulled tendon, for pl- plantar fasciitis, um, for somebody who's given themselves a big wrench involving muscle and tendons. And you can take that alongside the arnica. So that's spelled R-U-T-A, Rutta, Grava, G-R-A-V-A. And Bridget in Mallow has been diagnosed with osteoporosis. Is there any remedy? And also she's wondering uh, any natural anti-inflammatory that you would suggest. Okay, so with osteoporosis really the most important thing I think again is vitamin D because it helps us absorb our calcium from our diet Um, so where it comes to bone health really women after menopausal age if you're not out in the sunshine regularly take your vitamin D aside from COVID now there are different bone supplements on the market and a good one for osteoporosis will have vitamin D at least in there vitamin D3 some calcium now the natural supplements generally tend to have a calcium that's very well absorbed Unlike calcitude, which is calcium carbonate, that's like chalk, you know, that we used to write on the blackboard. Mm. So people find that very hard to absorb and it can upset people's stomachs. So the natural supplements will have a lower dose. And the one that's getting a lot of attention is uh, a new form recently that has been patented called Algecal. So it's calcium that has come from algae and it seems to be particularly good in helping to build bone. So a good supplement will have that, maybe some vitamin C, uh, your vitamin D, boron is another nice one, and magnesium. And I do have a bone supplement in the shop. If you can get your hands on it from a local shop, it's by Nature's Plus, and it's called Age Loss Bone Support. And they claim to be the only anabolic bone supplement on the market. Now, what that means is it doesn't just help you prevent you from losing bone, it'll help you build bone. And I've seen excellent results with that, and some people have reversed osteoporosis on it over the years. So again, that's Nature's Plus Age Loss Bone Support. Okay. Hi, um, Annalise. What would you suggest for uh, someone with a constant cough? There's a lot of phlegm inside in it. You recommended something last week uh, with nettle and something else, says Mary. Could you repeat it? Okay. So now I would say nettle is generally recommended for allergies or rhinitis. So where you have a lot of 
runny nose or runny eyes and that's down to an allergy. It's much better for that. What I'd recommend for this lady, because I think this is with mucus is coming from her chest, I'd recommend the Dr. Dealish Clare Mucotone. Um, and actually, Patricia, anything I mention here, I'll put on the website, on the homepage, there'll be a section as mentioned on the radio. So people can go down and they can look in that. So the mucotone will be in that. And that's a blend of herbs that will help support the immune system, but also help to dry up the mucus and help the, get the mucus out of the chest and get rid of it. So um, take that three times a day and take it for about a week and it should help massively. The Dr. Claire Mucotone. JC says, hi, I'm facing knee replacement surgery in eight weeks. Good luck with that. What can I take to boost my immune system ahead of the operation? And that's a good, sensible thing to do, isn't it? Get prepared for the operation. Absolutely, especially at the moment because nobody wants to go into hospital at the moment with the fear of having actually catching COVID in hospital, which is a huge problem. So I definitely would take a tonic just to build yourself up on the whole Something like, um, um, now I know I often mention the Source of Life Gold, which is a fantastic tonic, but even um, a good multivitamin like Oxylent or great uh, multivitamin comes in a sachet or Revive Active. These will be very powerful, well-absorbed multivitamins. And this will just improve your overall status, um, nutrition status, so that you'll be in the best shape you can be going in. And then Arnica is always very good to take after any surgery for healing. Do not take it in advance because it can thin the blood. So the doctors and nurses will recommend that you don't take it until the day of the surgery. But after the surgery is complete, you can start taking it straight away. And that's very, very good to speed up healing. And make sure that any multivitamin that you take has a nice big high dose of vitamin D and make sure you take it frequently when you're in hospital as well. I don't know with spell check whether this word has come out right or not, but a listener is wondering, I think it's probably cellulitis and the itch that goes with it. What would Annalise suggest? Okay, so um, cellulitis happens when a bacteria that normally is harmless that lives on the skin manages to get into the bloodstream and multiply and can cause blood poisoning. So it starts off in the leg and what people will often notice is that they'll get a redness that creeps up leg or the arm actually or wherever it is that that the the point of entry is and it can be very swollen red painful and itchy so with cellulitis you're nearly always given a high strength antibiotic so i would definitely recommend a probiotic to take at the same time as that to make sure that you're keeping your good bacteria healthy and that's very important for the gut but actually patricia also for our skin because we carry a lot of bacteria that protect us on our skin and then in terms of the itch i would recommend something like um, the Dr. Dealish Claire does a lovely healing cream and an anti-itch cream either of those would work um, or also if you could get in your local health shop there is a cream called Zeoderm Z-E-O-D-E-R-M and that's got some lavender and tea tree which will speed, speed up healing and it's also very good as an anti-itch Okay, Nora has been on. A question, please, for Annalise. It's to do with my mother, who is in her 90s, and she's forgetting things big time. She gets confused sometimes. And an example, when she's drying the wear, she can stand with a mug in her hand and not sure of where she's meant to put it. Is there anything that I could give her that she could take to help with memory loss? Okay, so the first thing I would suggest here is definitely you need to involve your doctor with this because, um, you know, there can be lots of reasons for confusion but certainly um, you need to be under the care of a medical practitioner because there are some drag- drugs that can slow down you know um, age-related um, memory loss 
But there is a lovely supplement and I actually tested and took it myself. Again, it's the Irish company Revive Active that make this and it's called Mastermind. And I took it during a period where I just had a lot going on and I found I was getting very forgetful and my focus and concentration was going and I took it for a couple of months and found it definitely helped. So that's the Revive Active Mastermind. Um, So that's definitely one to try. Um, Other things that are very important for brain health are your B vitamins, very important for anything to do with your nervous system. And I'm always a big fan of the fish oils. Um, Walnuts in the diet are a great way of getting your omega-3s into you. Uh, And if you don't eat fish, take a fish oil because you need to eat oily fish like salmon or herring or mackerel at least three times a week to get your basic level. So go for a good quality fish oil supplement. And you're looking for one that's very high in DHA. So the omega-3 fats are split into two, Patricia, EPA and DHA. EPA is a brilliant natural anti-inflammatory, but DHA is wonderful for the fatty tissue of the nervous system, so great for MS, and for the fatty tissue of the brain, so brilliant for anything to do with memory. Question for Annalise, please. I've got psoriasis on both of my legs. What could you suggest, please? Yes, psoriasis is always one of the more difficult ones, Patricia, because it's actually not a skin condition. It's really an immune condition. And what happens, it's autoimmune. Your body, for some reason, has caused cells to multiply and divide much faster than they should be on the level of the skin. So you get a big formation of kind of plaques of built up old skin cells. And it can be very itchy and painful and red and hot. So you need to work with a nutritional therapist who will help you sort that out from the inside. But... On the outside, what I find very good is the Viridian Oregon Grape Balm, it's called. Um, it comes from the root of this Oregon grape tree, and it's very soothing for psoriasis. And in, in, in the non, more non-severe cases, often people will say it has cleared it up. You can also take it as a supplement, and that can help internally as a great immune balance and natural inflammatory. So it's the Oregon Grape Root Extract by Viridian in the balm and also in the, tap, in the capsules. Is there anything Annalise could suggest for a kidney stone? Ooh, very painful. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of things that can help, Patricia. So um, really with kidney stones, oh, it's excruciating, actually. And my sister had them, I think, recently. My dad, who was always such a stoic man, said it was the worst pain he experienced ever in his life. Yeah. So the, the key really is to try and soften the stone so it can be passed as, as smoothly and as gently as possible. So there's a couple of different things that can help with that. The first thing I would recommend is a herb called Quebra Pedra. It's spelled Q-U-E-B-R-A-C-E-D-R-A. It comes from South America and it's actually, it's, its common name is, its name is called Stone Breaker. So that's very, very good for softening down, helping to break down stones in the gallbladder and in the kidneys. There is another um, supplement that works as well by a company called um, the Dr. Vogel range and it's called um, Spilanthes, S-P-I-L-A-N-T-H-E-S. And you'll probably be able to get that in any health shop, whereas the other one is a little bit more unusual. And then the last thing that's very good is malic acid. Now, malic acid you'll get in um, apple juice. So if you're at a pinch at the moment, start drinking litres of apple juice a day and that malic acid and that will help um, sort out the stone but you can buy it in a supplement as well if you have a health shop near you. Mary in Cork City has an interesting one. Question for Annalise please. I'm trying to give up alcohol. I've realised I'm drinking too much at home. Any tips for stopping the craving etc and I think probably a lot of people will identify with uh, Mary. It's getting so easy isn't it to drink at home? It is and I think everybody is more stressed than usual Patricia so you'd be looking forward to that kind of moment where you sit down and relax and, and, you know, have a drink. 
So what I have been suggesting, because it's actually a question that's asked a lot in the shop, so um, it seems to be a common problem, is that you actually take something to relax you and then replace the reward. Still sit down, but give yourself a different reward. So the cannabis oil is wonderful for relaxing. Um, it works in about 10, 15 minutes. You just do a pump of the oil underneath the tongue and you will feel it much calmer in about 10 or 15 minutes. And then sit down and have maybe a, you know, a cup of tea or have uh, maybe a little bit of chocolate or something to treat yourself and to have that and take the time to sit down because that's probably what's relaxing you more than the actual alcohol itself. Um, And then for sugar cravings and alcohol cravings sometimes go hand in hand. The chromium can be very good because it can help with blood sugar balance. So, um, you know, taking a chromium supplement mid-afternoon might help with the sort of the late evening sugar cravings and alcohol cravings. Yes, well, when we talk about vitamin D, a listener says, I recently had a blood test and was told I have too much vitamin D in my body. Coincidentally, my husband was told the same thing uh, t- t- with a different doctor. What does Annalise think? Can you have too much v- vitamin D? Absolutely, which is why, Patricia, I always say I think a 1,000 IU is plenty for most people. Um, even though you can get in shops, you can get doses up to 5,000 IU a day. It's too much. You can have too much vitamin D. It's not generally life-threatening or dangerous, but... I just don't think it's good to take high doses of anything unless you know for sure, certain and for sure that your body needs it. So the reason that their vitamin D was very high possibly was because they were taking too high a dose or maybe taking a vitamin D and also not realising it was in a multivitamin. So I think a thousand IUs of vitamin D is plenty for everybody. And in the summer, I generally, we don't need to take vitamin D if it's a good summer. So if you are... Uh, wanting to take it because of COVID reasons and you're out in the sunshine a lot, just to be on the safe side, you could take it every second day. Okay, and you're going to put up all this information on your website, healthhubstore.com. Okay, we'll talk again next week. Thank Thanks you, for that. Uh, Annalise Drussell of the healthhubstore.com and she also has the shop and in Times Square in Balancholic. Just very quickly, some texts in that caught my eye to on schooling. Liam says, Patricia, going back to teachers and homeschooling, it's not the parents and the childminders and God love them. It's the grandparents who are educating the children, not the teachers. While they sit in front of a screen for an hour or two a day and getting paid for it, it's we are the ones, the grandparents who are really struggling. That's the grandparents who are also offering childcare at the same time. But then I've heard from a teacher, Breed says, Patricia, can you please ask people to stop giving out about us teachers? Secondary school teachers are working online all day every day. The only difference is we are not physically in the school with the students. I'm following my timetable every day as if I was in the school and when school is finished in the evening we turn to correcting schoolwork and tests etc which is part of my job. People are unbelievable. They mustn't have anything else to do only complain, complain, complain and they can't find anything good to say about anyone. We are all struggling during this pandemic. Lent begins on Wednesday and maybe I suggest the begrudgers might begin to change their way of thinking and to start saying some nice things. Great to be able to listen to your show this week. Thank you. And that's from Bree. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul for working on the programme. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon and we are back with you at 10 o'clock. On to that on Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.